0: So the the disciples, maybe it was the Pharisees, somebody comes up to Jesus and they ask him, hey, what's the best commandment? What's the most important commandment? And many of you probably already know this. In Matthew 22, 37, David is not, oh, he is. How does he do that? Jesus uh, says to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And in, in another gospel, it says, and all your strength. Okay, Uh, so another interesting verse, uh, very similar, Matthew 10.37, so 22.37, 10.37, they kind of go together. Uh, Whoever loves children, this is Jesus talking, whoever loves children, parents, um, sorry, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And so there's this really high uh, regard that Jesus has for our affection. Okay? And uh, so I'm going to ask four or five questions today while I go through this. Five questions. And I want to look at, like, the love that we have for God. And, and I don't feel like I could find a single passage where it's just, like, laid out like I'm going to lay it out today. But I feel like it is, like, the background software that runs Christians or is intended to run Christians. And so if you, if you uh, search the word joy or the word love um, in, in the Bible, you will find thousands and thousands of references. And many and many of those references are about our joy in God or our love for God. And so there's sort of this background, I mean, there's definitely places where you get, like, this is what you should do. This is what you should love God more than you love anything else, you know? But, but it's, it's almost sort of this background thing that isn't ever directly talked about in great detail in the New Testament. So we're just going to look at a few places where, where we see it and uh, talk about how useful it is, okay? So the, Bi- or the, the Bible, the uh, the Internet describes love, like Webster's, you know, as an intense feeling or deep affection. Now, there's a certain type of person who's just naturally affectionate and has deep feelings, right? I am not that way. I am, like, just kind of not that way. Uh, and so, like, for a person like me, if you, you could have this sort of stereotypical, uh, lukewarm church in mind, okay? For the, the people who are in a church, but just, there's no love, there's no fire, you know, for them, church is about doing nice things for other people, you know, about being good, uh, not saying cuss words, you know, wearing good proper clothing, wear a tie to church, you know. And there's just sort of all this external obedience, right? And um, there's there, – or, or maybe even crazy spiritual stuff. Like there's people who come up to Jesus, um, you know, Jesus tells this hypo, hypothetical scenario where these people come up to Jesus and say, Lord, Lord. Look at all these things that we've done for you. We cast out demons in your name. You know, and, all, and they list all these good deeds they did. And Jesus says, get away from me. I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice evil deeds. I never knew you. So, like, God isn't actually impressed with our works. Even after we're, like, saved, like... Um, you know, there's, a, there's this great song called uh, I Hate All Your Show. It's by this guy, John Foreman. He's a Christian band, Switchfoot. And uh, it's written out of this passage in Joel where God says, I hate all your show and pretense, the hypocrisy of your praise, uh, the hypocrisy of your festivals. Um, and uh, so, like, there is this aspect to God that, like, he doesn't care how many good things you can do for him. Like you just scrounge up all this goodwill and all this great intent and, and I'm gonna do all these things for you, Lord. And like, if you just do a bunch of good stuff, like you're a lukewarm church, but you have nice programs, you feed the homeless, you know, and you, and you clothe the hungry. I think I got that backwards. Uh, you, you feed the hungry and clothe the homeless, but you don't know Jesus in like a deep emotional way. Like, God doesn't care. He's not impressed. And, and so, uh, one of the reasons that I, that I feel that, that we can agree with the de- definition I gave of intense feeling of deep affection. If you look back at the, the loving the children verse. So, David, I don't know if you can bring that up. But, you, you know, he says, um, if you don't love me more than you love your children, you're not worthy of me. Now, that doesn't mean obey. So like some people, like people like me, who are sort of like not as emotional, and easy, I'm just better at just getting work done, you know, than being emotional. People like that would say, well, what Jesus really means is like, if you obey me. You know, there's even a place uh, where Jesus says, uh, how does this go? Um, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. And so you could, as a, as a religious person with a cold heart, you could say, you see, it's love is just obedience. But that's not what Jesus says. He doesn't say, your obedience is your love for me. He says, if you love me, then you will do this other stuff. So this feeling that you have in your heart of intense, deep affection is what's going to produce in you Obedience, But obedience is not love. Okay? And so here we, we with the children, Jesus says, if you don't love your children more, or if you don't love me more than your children, you're not worthy of me. Like, he's saying, like, your children are a treasure. Like, those of us who have kids, I can now say this, I've got five kids. Like, my children are the most important thing in my life, apart from God. Like, I, you could offer me... An unlimited supply of money. I would not give you my children for that. Right? Like my children are a treasure to me. And in that same way that we treasure our children. Jesus wants us to treasure him. Like emotionally. Deep. Okay? So that is the nature of this love. That God calls us to. The love your Lord. With all your heart, mind and strength. So the nature of the love. That we are to have for God is to treasure him, delight in him, admire him, enjoy him. That he would be our greatest pleasure. There's a, there's a catechism or something. I don't even know. I didn't look it up. But, but it, it's this thing they do at this homeschool thing my kids do called CC. And, uh, and the, the, the saying goes, uh, what is the chief end of man? Okay, like what is your purpose? What is the meaning of life? And the meaning of life is to know God... And enjoy him forever. Like to that religious person who I described that sort of, you know, wears the suit and tie and doesn't say cuss words and, and does all the, you know, external works but has no heart for God. Like they don't even, that concept to enjoy God. How do you enjoy God? Like if that just bounces off you, like, huh? I just want to be a good person and go to heaven. Like that's not the message of the Bible. Th- like the chief end of man, the message of the Bible is love God more than you love your own children. Love God above anything else in the whole world. He gets to be the first thing. He is your treasure. And in this American culture, where we work ourselves to death, I've been doing that this week, we work ourselves to death, and we have every imaginable idol that we could go after. Like, it is so easy to not make God first in our lives. Like, some, some, sometimes in my life, God's not first because I'm watching Netflix at night, you know? Instead of, like, I haven't read the Bible today, I'm just going to watch Netflix and turn into a zombie because it feels good, right? Or, sometimes, like for me this week, I have had two full-time jobs all week. Just, I have worked 12-hour days every day. My wife left... Uh, Friday, because it's the week before school starts, but I'm also in charge of the soccer program in town. And so I've just been working, working, working nonstop. So she's like, You just work all day. I worked all day yesterday. What's yesterday? Saturday. I worked all day Friday. I'm going to work, a, a, I don't know, this afternoon maybe. Tomorrow, shouldn't say that. Uh, tomorrow, I'm going to work all day. You know, Labor Day weekend for me is like Labor weekend. You know what I'm saying? And so for me, like, oh, I want to be connected with God. I want to be close to Him. I want to rejoice in Him. But I'm just working myself to death. So for some of us in here, that's probably one of the reasons you grow cold to the Lord. Uh, for others, though, it's like oh, sports. My kids do sports. I, uh, you know, I watch. I know every single statistic about every football player in the NFL or college football. You know, and it's like you just you just get so obsessed with something that isn't sin in itself, sports or even family. You know, family can become an idol where it's like oh we don't we don't do that because we're just going to have family time you know we don't we don't go to prayer on sunday nights it's family time you know family can become like this idol that we worship and here's god yeah god's important but family family's the thing there are there are idols that can creep up in our lives that are much better than some of the bad ones you know like drugs and porn and all this other terrible stuff that's out there and that's going to that's going to be the stuff that tricks christians it's not going to be the really bad things. We know those really bad things are bad, but the good things that we have too much of, those can become the bad things. Um, so uh, this, this greatest commandment of Jesus that, um, that you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. I guess my premise today, now that I've established for you that I think it's not just obedience, but it's an emotional delight in God. I think for people like me, who are prone to work too much and to get distracted by things other than God. I think that like we, we want to be good Christians. We want to honor God. We want to serve God. I think those people who are that sort of religious stereotype that wears the tie to church and has no heart for God, you know, but does lots of good things for the community, I think that if you, for every little tiny bit of will that you have to do something good for God, there is one thing that you can put it into. And if you do this one thing. I think everything else will turn out the way it should. But it's not go to church every Sunday. It's not read my Bible every morning. You know. It's not pray before every meal. I think this, the, the one focus. Like in the background operating system. Of you being a Christian. The one focus is love God. More than you love anything else. Every ounce of willpower you have. Which is not much. Okay? And it's only the grace of God that saves any of us. You know, And it's only the grace of God that sustains any of us to the end. But if you have some willpower, and I think we all do, put it toward loving God. Make that your focus, and I think everything else is going to fall into place. Okay, And and, and I look at, I, you know, I mean, we see that Jesus says that. What's the greatest commandment? Love God. You're going to focus on one thing only? Love God. God more than you love anything else. That's what Jesus says, right? But you look at the whole New Testament, the whole Old Testament, you read the Psalms, there's so much in there about delighting in God and joy in God, having joy. And like so many times Paul uses the word joy. I bet the word joy is in the New Testament 150 times. Okay. That your joy would be in God is a humongous theme of the Bible. Okay. Um, So this is why I think it's the greatest commandment. Okay, my second question. So what? my first question was, what's the nature of this love? Okay, it's it's not just obedience. It's enjoying, delighting in God. My second point was that this greatest commandment is the greatest commandment because if you do this one, everything else falls into place, okay? Sin loses. You don't stop sinning because you just pull it together and resist temptation and just be a man and don't sin. You stop sinning Because there's something better than that sin. Okay? So there's this this lustful image on the internet. What's going to keep a man from that lustful image on the internet? It's not going to be his own willpower. It's going to be that he knows there is something far greater than the passing pleasure of sin. There is delight in God. There is satisfaction in God that is so deep and so rich and so great that the, the passing pleasures of sin lose their appeal and when a man finds himself back into the temptations of lust it's, it's you know the the solution is i have fallen from my first love i forgot what my life is about i need to get back to what matters most and these symptoms of not loving god are going to disappear okay evangelism okay like some of us like oh i need to share my faith more You know, I just don't do it enough. Like God, God is not, you know, God's yoke is easy, right? Love God and all these other things are going to naturally come from that. So evangelism, if you love something, if you just delight in something and just can't, you know, help yourself, you're going to talk to other people about that thing. Right? So like, I really love food. I talk to people about food. I think I was just telling Nora that, uh, you know, like, oh, yeah, Saturday's in the park. There's food. Those are the best. Or Sunday's in the park, right? Like, like tennis. I, a lot of people don't like tennis because it's a strange sport. And when I was a little kid, I remember watching tennis and being just like, these people make weird grunting noises while they hit the ball back and forth. It's just so weird. But now that I've started coaching tennis, I can appreciate, like, a really good shot. Okay, like there's this thing called the drop shot where these guys are standing back behind the lines. You know, they're, they're just ripping the ball at each other. And then a guy will slice the ball and hit it soft. And it'll just barely make it over the net and then kind of drag back to the net. And you see, a, you see an amazing drop shot like that after you've tried to hit them yourself. And you just oh, that was good. You can just appreciate how good it was. And if you're watching that YouTube highlight reel with your kid, which is what I do. Then it's like, look at that shot. That was incredible, you know. And you just can't not talk to other people about things that you enjoy, things that you like. Okay, like Tyler. I'm not sure why you're in full blown camo, but I'm guessing you're going hunting after church. Okay, uh, which is great, by the way. And uh, you know, like when when you see like that buck, or is it elk? What are we what are we shooting at? Elk. When you see that amazing bull elk with like. I don't know. I always try to pretend when people tell me about the horns. So I'm always, oh, yeah, three by four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have no idea. I have no idea. But, uh, you know, like you're, oh, I saw, I saw one of these. You know, Check out this image I got on my game camera. I think you posted one. It was, like, glorious. It's like, oh, that's a big animal. I can appreciate you're going to kill that with arrows. I'm impressed. You know, like you can You can talk to people about things that you feel passionate about. So if God is your number one If he is your greatest treasure, you're not going to have a hard time with evangelism. You're going to have a hard time keeping your mouth shut, even when people don't want to hear it. And that was my experience when I was red hot for Jesus as a brand new Christian. I couldn't keep it in. People told me to stop talking to them about it, you know. And like, that's who I want to be again, you know. Okay. Um, Now, hopefully I've maybe convinced you this is a big this is the under, one of the underlying programs that runs the software of us. It's what we love most is really important. Okay? Jesus said, you know, um, love the, the most important commandment. Love God. The reason that I was just kind of going over this. The reason that's the most important commandment is because it will dictate how you behave. Okay? So now, hopefully, you've been a little bit convicted of this. Look at your Bible. If you've never looked at it like this before, like, your greatest pleasure should be God. Okay? That's what I'm saying. I'm saying you don't, as a Christian, you don't have to just like pull together the willpower to not sin, pull together the willpower to evangelize, you know, pull the willpower together to read your Bible every day. Like your one thing, if you're going to put your willpower towards something, put your willpower toward loving God more than you love anything else. Okay? And and if you do that, things are going to work really well. Okay? This isn't my idea, by the way. This is John Piper, if you've heard of him. This is like his big thing. He wrote a book in like the 80s, and they started this ministry called Desiring God. They still exist. His, he's got this big push that like, hey, you know how Americans want to be happy? Be happy in God more than anything else. That's, that's their, their whole uh, ministry is called Desiring God, that you would like desire him more than anything else, okay? Um, and so like, even, even in our churches, uh, like statement of beliefs or whatever, we have something that says, you know, and this is this is Piper, um, God is most glorified, start with glorified, when I am most satisfied in him, something like that. And so like, if you make your greatest pleasure God, you will naturally bring glory to him. Okay? In the sense that you 'll tell others about him you 'll look at, at the tennis shots that he hits, except he 's not hitting tennis shots okay? he 's hitting spiritual tennis shots where sinners don 't go to hell, you know where he gives himself the glory by showing how generous and kind he is to sinners, right like you will rejoice over the things that God does, and you, you know uh, like these, these songs that we sing they 're just us telling God what He did. And just telling him how great he is for it. That's that's what it's all about. So, um, where, where was I going? That's why I have points here. Because otherwise I'll just start, you know. Um, okay, so anyway, point three. Uh, so, once you're convinced of this. That this is like, okay, this is really important. I need to love God. Okay? Uh, once you're convinced of this. I think... Uh, And I I think you you guys already knew this before I came, but, you know, hopefully I've shown you, like, it's not just that it's just another commandment, but it's like it will help you if you pursue that. Um, How do you get to that place? So I think, like, for me, I first heard this. I'm like, yeah. I mean, it didn't take long for me to be like, yeah, this is what I need in me. You know, I need more passion for the things of God. But it's like, how do I do that? How do I become that way? Because the software is currently malfunctioning, you know? Um, and it's not like your pinky. You can move your pinky. Like, the, the human brain is amazing, isn't it? Like, it, feelings and thoughts, are they really different? Like, I can think I want my finger to move. Did I think it, or did I feel that I wanted to move it? And, like, you can move your finger back and forth. And there's actually these nerves that come out of your brain. They go into your spinal cord, come down your arm. And there's one that... Um, goes this way and then there's one that goes this way and they're right next to each other. Just like the wires in a house or something. And you can tell your finger to move and then and it moves and then you get a stimulus back that says it moved and you bring, I don't know how it works. It's amazing. The, the, the big thing in biology right now is uh, neuroscience. Like they're trying to learn things about how this thing works. And it's like, whoa, this, this is amazing. Like think about this. Okay. When you die, you're going to be with God in heaven but your dead body is going to be in the ground, okay? So, like, you're not your body. But at the same time, like, if you don't sleep or eat spiritually, you're, you know, for, like, days, especially the sleeping part, you're, you're probably going to be spiritually, like, grumpy, you know? Like, so somehow this physical body that our spirit lives in is affected by the body, but is also separate from the body. And how, now here's where it gets really crazy. So if you're more, and you are more than your brain. And like there's a lot of good science that shows that like there's something else besides brain. And so you're more than your brain. How does your spirit influence your brain? Like you believe spiritual things and then it changes the way you feel. Even like physiologically changes the way your body's working and stuff. How does it go together? It's such a mystery. I'm sure Dr. Mark knows, though. Go ask him after church. So, um, so after you, after you uh, agree that, like, yeah, I need to love God, how do you actually do it? Okay, let's get some Bible back here. Uh, well, this is actually, I didn't put the, this, the um, passage there. But you guys know the story, okay? There's a, so Jesus goes to dinner with a Pharisee, okay? He goes to a Pharisee's house for dinner. The Pharisee doesn't wash his feet. Okay, like in that in those days it was normal like help people, I don't know, wash their feet or at least let them wash their feet because your feet are all dirty. So Jesus goes, sit down, sits down at the, the Pharisees' table and they like sit on pillows and his feet are behind him. And this woman of the street, a prostitute, comes in. And I I don't know this it might be Mary Magdalene, I could be wrong, and she has received forgiveness from Jesus. Like maybe this is the girl that was caught in adultery, I don't know. And this woman is weeping, and her tears, she's putting her tears onto Jesus' feet, and then she's washing Jesus' feet with her hair. And this Pharisee says to Jesus, like, you know, this Pharisee's like, are you really even from God? That's what's going on in the Pharisee's mind, right? And so then the Pharisee sees this prostitute, like, touching Jesus in a kind of, you know, intimate way or, like, very, you know close way and uh the pharisee says if you are a prophet you would know what kind of woman that is you know and then jesus uh tells this little story to the pharisee he says there's two people one has a debt of five thousand dollars one has a debt of five dollars and uh the debt is owed to this king or whatever the king forgives both debts who loves the king more and the Pharisee says to Jesus, the, the, I guess the person who, uh, who was forgiven $5. And, and then Jesus makes the case, I came into your house. You didn't kiss me. Like I guess it was normal to kiss each other on the cheek when you come into someone's house. Like personally, you don't have to kiss me when I come into your house. Uh, so you didn't kiss me. You didn't wash my feet. And this woman has come in and she's washing my feet with her tears, with her hair, and and then he says to whom uh, much is forgiven, how does that? I wish I would have put this up there. To whom much is forgiven, you know, he loves much. To whom little is forgiven, he loves little. To whom much is forgiven, he loves much. And so, like, how do you? The, the question I'm asking is, how do you love God? How do you? If you're in this place of being a lukewarm Christian. How do you get back to that place of being an on-fire Christian? You remember what God has done for you, okay? And you preach it to your mind until your heart sings with gratitude. So there are seasons, because I have a broken human body, I think my emotional genes don't function quite the best. Like, I think... My emotions are just kind of not that useful sometimes. I, I can't always trust the way I feel. But there are seasons and there are times where my emotions are totally in, in line with God and what is right and good. And so I, I, I want and I desire to have that as much as I can. And and so the number one thing, like how, how do you, as a Christian who's already saved, this whole message is not about how you become saved. This is after you're saved if you're struggling with losing affection for God, how do you stir up affection again? Okay? The number one thing is you remember things that are true about God and things that he has done for you. Okay? And there are times where you read those things and it's just like, does hit you in the head and there's nothing there. This is why my next point, I describe it as how do you fight for love? For God. How do you fight for joy in God? Because it does not always just spontaneously happen. You can't, I can tell my pinky to move. You cannot tell your emotions. Soul, rejoice in God. You know, David even says something like that to himself in the Psalms. And you, you tell yourself that, but there are times where it doesn't work. I can't move my emotions like I can move my finger. Okay? Uh, Ephesians 1.18. Here's another uh, of the same idea. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. In another uh, translation, I think English Standard Version, it says the eyes of your heart being enlightened. Okay? So, like you have physical eyes where you can see things, but you have eyes in your heart, okay, in your understanding, in your soul, that they can understand things spiritually. And this is Paul, if we, if we read 17 and 19, this is Paul saying that he prays for the Ephesians, that the eyes of their understanding may be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory. Like there is so much good truth that is real and true apart from our feelings. And there are times where our feelings don't feel those things and perceive them the way they are. But God, through the Holy Spirit, this is a miracle, a spontaneous miracle, can make those affections come back, can make that appreciation come back. But point four, John Piper, and so I'm describing it this way, describes it as a fight, okay? So here's what most Christians, I think, do, in America especially. We go through this season of life where we, we were born again. We love God. The things of God are brand new for us. You know, like, I've never heard of these things. You know, you read, you just read through the whole Bible a few times because it's just, this is extraordinary, You know, I mean, this is the people who become a Christian, maybe as teenagers or adults. If you're starting out as a kid, it may be a little different. But and then you go through this amazing spiritual high of knowing God and being saved. And then naturally, the feelings taper off because of life and all of its stresses and whatnot. And for those of us who aren't self-disciplined people who are also, I think, heavily emotional I think those tend to be the people who are the best at maintaining this naturally without thinking about it. You just sort of taper off. And you're like, well, lost my fire, I guess. You know, I'm still a Christian, but I'm just not going to be too involved anymore because it's just, just not in there anymore. But, but if you read the New Testament, like, there is a persistent push from the apostles. Fight. Don't stop. Fight for it. Okay? And so uh, let's bring up um, 2 Corinthians 1. 24. So Paul's talking to the Corinthians. Now, not that we have, so like I said, this is, this is background. So this isn't what the passage is about, but you can get these little glimpses of how it all works from this. Okay. Not that we have dominion over your faith, but our fellow workers for your joy. So like you actually work for joy in God. Okay. This is not, do not work for joy in whatever, you know, we're Americans. Like, you can take some Prozac, and you can buy a car that costs too much, and you can start to have joy, right? But work for joy in God, okay? That's what Paul's saying here. We are working that you could have joy in God. Like, it's not something that you just say, well, I don't have anymore. more. I guess I'm going to give up now. You're supposed to work for it, okay? Um, and, and he describes, look how he says, over your faith... But we're workers for your joy. Like there's this super tight connection between love, joy, and faith. Okay. Um, and, and so as we go through these passages, you'll see this. Uh, 2 Timothy 4, 7, and 8. Okay. This is just Paul saying, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Okay. Um, so Paul is urging Timothy, like, fight till the end. Right? Like maintain your joy and your satisfaction and your delight in God to the very end. Okay? And then here's a really interesting verse that Jesus speaks out Matthew 24, 12, and 13. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Oh my gosh. Like, that's exactly what Revelation's talking about with lukewarm. People like you—you had this great love for God, but it diminishes. Okay, and then look at verse thirteen. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Like, and Paul just said, "I finished the race." Okay, he—Paul endured to the end. Like, there is this fight, and these are just a few verses. Okay, like you—you you, you could go listen to John. I watched a six-part thing from John Piper about this idea, and it was like. You know, four hours of content. And, like, he just goes, verse... And if you know John Piper, he's not... I'm up here, I'm not using a whole lot of verses. John Piper's got, like, so many verses in his head, you know? And uh, and he just shows over and over and over and over again how, like, the Christian's job, once you're saved, is to fight for joy in God. Fight for, for passion and love for God. So don't think that loving God, if it doesn't just spontaneously, naturally exist in you... Don't think that it doesn't belong in you still, but that it's a fight, okay? Uh, And so then the last point, what are some practical ways to fight for a deeper love for God, okay? And I'm just going to read through these because I've talked long enough, okay? Uh, Now, here's the thing. Farmers, okay? Like, farmers, they cannot make seeds grow, okay? If you know anything about biology, the fact that seeds grow is, like, miraculous. Now, it's not miraculous, like, because God, it's sort of like God created a machine, and this machine is self-replicating, and it steals nutrients out of whatever environment it's in, and then it makes more of itself. I mean, it's, it's amazing. But it is, you know, if they found a seed on Mars, there would be, like, parades in the streets at MIT and every, you know, university. Like, oh, we finally found life on another planet. You know, which is really just a quest to prove God doesn't exist is, I, I think, personally, the motivation of that. But... Um, like, seeds are miraculous. They are not natural, okay? They have to have a designer. They are miraculous. Uh, but farmers can't actually make a seed grow, right? Like, the same thing, like, you are miraculous. You were created to love God and worship him and enjoy him forever. That is miraculous, okay? And you cannot produce it. Like, I, like I was talking about my finger. You can move your finger At will. You cannot love God at will. You cannot just soul. Love God now. It doesn't work like that. Okay. But farmers can put seeds in the right condition to grow. Right. And so in the same way as you desire to put God first. And to love God more than you love anything. Here are some practical conditions for yourself. Okay. Number one. Meditate and memorize Meditate on and memorize the Word of God. I remember as a young Christian, I saw my friend's dad after church. He was like an, excuse me, an elder in that church, and it was Sunday after church. And I remember he sat down with his Bible, and he's reading the Bible, and I'm like thinking to myself, like, dude, you just did like three hours. Of it was like a weird Pentecostal church, like too. And Pentecostals are our brothers and sisters too. They're just a little out there. Uh, and uh, and uh, so their church was really long, right? So I figured, like, okay, church is over. Now we can play video games. You know, that's kind of how, you know, that's, that's the unspiritual nature of me, right? And he sits down with his Bible after three hours of church, and he starts just reading his Bible, and, and I remember he's just, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And he's just, like, whispering to himself. He's just rejoicing over the stuff in the text you know and like like when i watch tennis i was watching tennis last night so i was thinking about how this is sort of the same and you you guys don't probably watch tennis so you can really see the principle here when i watch tennis and i see somebody hit just that perfect drop shot or they just smash the ball as hard as they can and it just barely catches the line you can't help but appreciate it and and rejoice over like oh my gosh that was so good you know like I haven't watched football with Ken Curvin in a while, but I remember watching football with Ken Curvin a few years ago. And like, I don't remember who was playing. Maybe it was the Steelers and he's just jumping up and down, going nuts, you know? And it's like that affection for football is fine. As long as there's a equal or greater affection for God. And so when you read the word, try to start seeing the things in the word that are glorious, you know? Um, Okay, like, like remember the eyes of your heart being opened? Pray that your eye, the eyes of your heart would be open to see the reality of the things that you're reading about. Okay, um, pray. John Piper had this interesting uh, acronym IOUs, okay, like I O U with an S, and it was Incline My Heart. So you pray for your heart to be inclined, uh, you pray for the eyes, so that's the eye, open. Open the eyes of my heart. You pray that God would open the eyes of your heart to see. Okay, unite my heart, dude. I was leading worship up here. I kind of read that and I was like, oh, that's kind of a strange one. And there's there's like a psalm that goes along with each one of these. I don't have time to tell you. I was I was leading worship and like thinking about the chords, thinking about the words, and then I'm like thinking about you know, oh, did we close the windows? And it's like you just so you sit down with your Bible. You know, and you just like so everywhere except right in the actual. Just God, just unite me to be like totally focused on this. OK, so I unite. And then S, satisfy me as I come to you, God, satisfy me. So you just go to him and you ask him to do the miracle of stirring your heart up for him. OK, another thing, this one seems like if you're cold to the things of God, but you're a believer, share your faith. Okay, like that, and I found that to be true. Like, there are times where I've gone out to share my faith for various events or whatever, and it just reminds you of how great these things are. You know, talk to somebody else about it. Okay, here's a really, really, really valuable one that I think people, a lot of people neglect. Spend time with God-saturated people. You will become like the five people you spend your time with. Okay, the five people who you spend the most time with, you're going to become like them, you know. Unless maybe if you're a mom, like my wife's with a 4-year-old and a 6-year-old and an 8-year-old, 10-year-old, 12-year-old. She is becoming like them. No, I don't know. She's... My toy! Okay, um, but spend, t- seriously though, ch- uh, this is what I tell my kids. Choose your friends wisely. I never read the Bible. I hang out with totally worldly people, and I occasionally get to church. I don't know why I don't have any affection for God. Okay? Um... Some other good ones that I found. Read Christian biographies. I don't read a whole lot, but I did watch. Um, I can only imagine, which I thought was going to be one of those like super cheesy Christian movies. Have you guys seen that movie yet? I can only imagine. It's about Mercy Me. It's about this band. I think it's on Netflix or it's on uh, Amazon. It's free. It's the only reason we started watching it. Anyway, it was so great. You know, like it was a story. This kid is abused by his dad, and like he, he's the singer of Mercy Me, the band and uh it's just the story of his life and he wrote that song i can only imagine and it's like really popular song like 20 years ago and uh and it's just the redemption first the kid gets saved uh you know and then his dad gets saved so he's abused by his dad his mom leaves and then his spoiler alert by the way i just told you guys to go watch the movie (laughs) whoops (laughs) you've had your chance it's been out for years and uh, and it's just this beautiful story of redemption, you know. And like you could read Christian biographies if you're like super uh, academic and awesome, which I wish I was. And uh, and you know there are so many that have gone before us uh, who are just incredible. I read I've read one Christian biography. I read Hudson Taylor's biography. And you read these Christian biographies, and it's like especially from like people 100, 200 years ago, it's like they lived in such difficult times and circumstances and yet they just laid it all down you know like they didn't have what we have and and we think it's scary to go out and be a missionary now um read good books about God uh, and Piper was making fun of this like don't read uh you know six steps to the best marriage you know like don't read these just sort of like junk Christian books that are just like self-help books right Read books that are actually about God, like his glory, you know. I read this book called The Holiness of God when I was a young Christian. It was radical. You know, read books that are just worshipful to God. Um, And uh, one one last thing I'd say, and I've been talking too long. I was afraid I'd go short. Okay, uh, last thing, like for me, just this last week, I had a few minutes at the end of the day. And I went out onto my deck and I'm just looking at the sunset. And and I went out and I got my guitar and I just started worshiping God and singing songs about like God is the creator. Like creation is declaring who he is. Now don't worship the creation. And we as Christians, I think we've kind of gotten past that. A lot of people like, wow, look at this mountain. The Grand Canyon. It's so grand. You know, but like you don't, you don't. Look at creation and worship creation. You look at creation and you go, I know the one who made that, you know. And I mean, I do that as a teacher. I teach biology. And I mean, I look at these. I mostly teach tiny stuff, microscopic processes and stuff. And it's amazing. The, the intelligence behind the way that cells function and the way that life uh, exists and continues to exist and replicates itself. I mean, it just makes you believe in God. There's no way god doesn 't exist, no way and and so you can look at creation too, and I mean that one that one for me is like uh, uh, rescues me you know i 'm at work all day, but it 's like, how can I not stop and just appreciate this you know as boring as mitosis is, you know for you guys, but like when you really watch it it 's like this is amazing, you know so some practical ways to do that. I hope that uh after today the, the, as a Christian. You've been challenged to love God more than you love anything, and, and that maybe there's some practical ways that you, you think that you could do that. Uh, Kristen, you out there? Yeah. We're going to sing a song and maybe two. What time is it? You guys are the faithful ones who came on Labor Day weekend. You want to sing two songs, don't you?